0: want to introduce without uh, any further ado my good friend Kate Durkholtz. If you guys, some of you know Kate. Kate's kind of a vineyard OG, been around for a minute. She's had a bunch of roles in this church uh, on staff and uh, just serving as a ministry partner. Now Kate's on our content team and she loves Jesus and we're just really excited to have her share today on Ephesians chapter two. So can I pray for you? Jesus, I thank you so much for Kate. Thank you for the light that shines in her and through her thank you for her family i pray you'd bless her day and that you would fill her lord that you'd speak through her i pray that lord that the things that are on her mind that you want to to just like illumine, that they would glow and come out and the things that you don't want her to say they wouldn't lord and that you would just speak fresh things to her lord today and you just bless my sister thank you for thank you for the word of god and thanks for this time together in your mighty powerful beautiful name we pray amen, amen. thank thanks, you ryan thank you hey family How are you? Hey, Jerry. Okay, Jerry. All right, so if you're new with us, we started a new series uh, four weeks ago. This is our fourth week in this series that we're doing on the letter of Ephesians. Boy, I can hear a lot of something. I'll stand over here until we get it figured out. Anyway, we started this series a few weeks ago, and we entitled it Life Together because one of the most beautiful and generous gifts that our Father has given us is one another. Life Together. Being in Christ, which Paul says over 25 times in the book of Ephesians means a lot of things. It definitely means being in the body of Christ. Being connected, vitally connected, to one another. So when we come together corporately on Sunday, and when we come together at the community house groups that Judy was talking about, What's happening is we're corporately coming together to worship the King, the God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, corporately, and that invites heaven on earth. Psalm 133. When the people of God come together in unity, it's like oil that runs down Aaron's beard. There's anointing on it. Heaven intersects earth. Where two or more are gathered in his name, he is in the midst of us. And so that's why we talk about house groups. It's awesome that we come together on Sundays, but to enter into authentic friendship and to grow more like Jesus, we cannot do it alone. We need one another. So if you're not in a house group, we're gonna just continue to invite you to that because it's where we become more like Jesus. It's where we're loved into wholeness. And these these house group leaders and hosts, they are fun people. (laughs) They are just fun. And they're extensions of God's mercy and grace. So why wouldn't we want to be in a house group, like Judy says? Before we pick up where we left off last week, we ended uh, chapter one. We're going to start with chapter two. We're just going to be looking at 10 verses today. But before we do, I want to talk just for a few minutes about the conversion of Saul To Paul, the one that wrote this letter, and at least 12 more, if not possibly 13 more, of the letters of the New Testament. So, I want to talk of his conversion and his worldview to lay a foundation of where we're headed today. In Acts chapter 9, we learn that Paul, while breathing murderous threats, to the Lord's disciples and going into the synagogues to arrest Jewish believers who were saying that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited Christ that the Jews were looking for. And he was arresting them. And on his way to Damascus, to do just that, we find out that a light from heaven shines down and it shines so brightly, it causes him to fall to the ground, and he is blinded. Physically, he cannot see. That will get one's attention. What happens in this power enc- encounter? is that the resurrected Jesus reveals himself to Paul as the promised Messiah, anointed Christ. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he goes back to restudy the Old Testament, which he was an expert on. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament from beginning to end. The man was a scholar. This time, he goes back to restudy the entire Old Testament with Jesus as the interpretive key. And he is literally blown away. Jesus was on every single Page. (laughs) And it changed every single thing in Paul's life. Through the gift of wisdom and revelation that Paul prays for, that he speaks of in chapter one, that Ryan talked about last week, through that spirit of wisdom and revelation, his eyes are open. To this, all God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit deeply desires that we understand, that we grow in understanding and revelation. That even though... We sinned in the garden. And even though the enemy usurped our authority, our power in the earth, it did not hinder God's original plan. It did not hinder his original plan for creation, for humanity, for the planet that we live on. Because it is good. It was created by God. So at the moment we fell in the garden, the creator of all things seen and and unseen said, I have a plan to get you back. I'm going to get you back. I'm not giving up. I'm going to pursue, hotly pursue my children. That's a good father the one we sung about Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 so what we got the creation story in 1 and 2 right we find out our call is to fill the earth like the water covers the sea you and I to represent the father wherever we go and then somebody comes along and tempts us and we trade God's kingdom for the enemy's kingdom. Genesis 3.15, no sooner did we fall, God said, nah, I got a plan. So he says to the evil one, and I'm gonna read this, it's gonna be up here, yeah, there it is. This is what Bible scholars call the first gospel, Genesis 3.15, to Satan, I'm gonna put, Enmity. I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he's going to crush your head and you're going to strike his heel. Humanity is going to survive the seed of the woman is going to bring forth someone who's going to crush the enemy that's a mortal blow God's plan for his people eternal life and to represent him and fill this earth is going to survive is what he's saying Satan you ain't your kingdom and all your co regents don't stand a chance. That sets the tone for the rest of the Old Testament. The Father was pointing to our future, he's still pointing to our future, and he's saying, Take heart. I have a plan, that's what he was saying. I have a plan, and it will be revealed over time. And it's a plan that only I can accomplish, God says. Who is going to accomplish it? You and I with our works? Mm -mm. Only God can accomplish this. That's what he's saying. And this plan involves a man that's going to stamp out evil, bring life out of death, and reestablish my kingdom on earth, the Father said. So when you're reading the Old Testament, read it through that, because that's that's the story that God's giving us. The rest of the Old Testament is progressive revelation of how that plan would come to pass. Through Through one covenant after the other, through one power encounter after the other, God is bringing his plan to pass he says to Abe, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it's through your nation, through the Hebrew nation, that I am going to bless all nations. Through the Davidic covenant, a king is coming in the line of Judah, and he, his kingdom's coming, and it ain't ever going to end. <laughs> so see, that's what's happening. The Old Testament is progressively revealing the plan of God. The Hebrew son would crush the head of the serpent and eternally undo all the works of the enemy. And God did exactly what he said he would do. And though man and enemy tried to manipulate and sabotage God's plan, the promised seed has come. Fully human, fully divine what only God can do heaven intersected earth the bridegroom came for the bride Christianity is not a new religion it's the fulfillment of our father's perfect plan to get us back All God's promises in the Torah, the Mosaic law, the prophets, the writings, the wisdom, all of those are fulfilled in the only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. And we are living in 2023 with eternal life. (laughs) One another gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because the Father had a plan, and His plan supersedes all plans. We have to remember that now in 2023. It looks bad out there. God's plan has come to pass, and it's continuing to, and it will be completely fulfilled. That's what Paul's worldview is as he's writing the Ephesians. Picking up in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, when we traded the kingdom of God for the kingdom of the evil one. and is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were burnt by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God our Father, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. When we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He died for us while we are yet sinners. Bishop Barron writes... Sin is not a weakness that we can overcome, but a condition from which we have to be saved. So what Paul is reminding us of is when we put our trust in Jesus, the Christ, who paid the ransom in full for the sins of the world, we are saved, period. There is only one name under heaven, and earth to be rescued. And that is the name of Jesus, the Christ. Ephesians 2, 6 through 9. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace, he's going to say it again, and he's going to add something. For it is by grace we are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Faith is a gift. Looking at what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection and ascension and just saying, Lord, I I believe, I don't have to understand it all, But I want, boy, I want what Jesus had. I want to live that way. And to do that, he says, well, come on. Take my gift received by faith. Jesus, forgive me. Love me in wholeness. See, the enemy thought he owned us. The enemy thought he had the last word over us. Did he? Uh uh. Our Creator Father God said, They are mine. We are His. So He did what only He could do He sent His Son his only begotten son, to lay down the perfect sacrifice, he crashed into our world on a rescue mission. He raised Jesus from the dead. The father raised Jesus from the dead. And as Psalm 110 and Daniel 7 read, I love these two particular messianic prophetic visions in the Old Testament. Psalm 110, and Jesus quotes them both when he's standing before the Sanhedrin at his trial. And you will see the Son of Man riding on the clouds. (laughs) The one who's going to sit at the right hand of the Father and rule and reign. So Jesus, risen from the dead by the Father, ascended into heaven, was led into the presence of the Ancient of Days. That's one of my favorite names for God the Father. Ancient of Days. Jesus was led into the presence of the ancient of days, and there was given all authority, all power, and all dominion. That's where he is now, folks. We aren't waiting for that. (laughs) It's happened. He's ascended, and he's been given all authority and all power and all dominion. Remember verse 110 in Ephesians. What's God's plan? That all things... All power, all authority, be what? In heaven and earth. Under who? Jesus Christ. That's where our Jesus is. And his kingdom will never end. You know, as, I, as I'm rereading this and just asking, you know, Lord, there's so much here, right? This is this book of Ephesians. Ephesians what in particular is this telling me about God? Because remember, that's what we're trying to do. We're we're, we're lifelong learners in this thing, right? We're we're continuing to unlearn things that we think are right and true of God. And then the Lord is saying, "Let let me unlearn you there, right? Let me teach you. So we ask, how do we do that? One of the primary ways to do that, what? Is through... The Word of God is such a gift. So we ask ourselves, what is that section of Scripture that we're reading saying about God? And in light of what it's saying about our Father, what's it say about me? What's it say about us? And then in light of that, how should I respond? So every time I pick up the Bible, Holy Spirit, what is this saying about my Father? Jesus, my Savior and my Lord, what's this saying about you? Holy Spirit, my shepherd and my teacher and my counselor, teach me. Change me. Empower me to do what you've called me to do. For me... Was, as I was reading this again, I, I felt like the Lord was just saying, you know, all over again that God gave me a gift that I could never do. I, I love you guys, but I could not give up my daughter back there sitting back. I couldn't give her up for you. I'd probably give my life for hers. But I ain't giving her up for you. That's what the Father did for us. (laughs) He gave up his only begotten son for us. That's love beyond comprehension. Gave up your only begotten son for me, Father. You paid the price in full that I could never pay. And what Paul is wanting to remind us of or teach us for the first time is God's power supersedes all power. Heaven, earth, the cosmos is under God's rule. It's not under the evil powers and principalities and those who are sons of disobedience rule the enemy is still the prince of this air but who's got the last word who's in charge who is right now strategically interfering on you and i's behalf god the father for his plan that started with christ when the kingdom of god came on earth through christ and will be consummated when God comes back, Jesus says, all I started is finished. What does that say about me? That I am forensically declared not guilty for my past, my present, and my future sin. Because where am I? What did they, what did we, we're in Christ, Christ is in us, and we are in heavenly realm. Remember what it said? What we just read? And all that was given to Jesus was given to me. Jesus walked out of the grave. <laughs> I'm walking out of the grave folks, that is such good news. And I think we just kind of just say it, you know, we believe it, right? We do believe that, right? But what if the father wants to really wrap our minds around that in a new way and say, yeah, you're walking out of the grave. You don't have to be so afraid all the time. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. So, how do I respond to all of this good news? I move from trying to prove my worth to the Father to instead resting in His arms. And I go from duty to desire. Serving him out of being loved, not trying to earn his love. Does that, does that make sense? We're going to read the last verse today that we're going to study today, and then I'm going to go where I feel like the Lord's saying to go as our closing. For we are God's handiwork. Verse 10. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures in all of scripture. We are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that our father prepared in advance for us to do. One of the gifts God gave me is I love sparkle stuff. (laughs) My kids own a glitter business. They made that for me. My son and my daughter-in-law, my son actually did. I'm like, wow, Christopher, pretty cool. The good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good works definitely has to do with moral ethics, and refraining from immorality, living out and representing the Father. And we are really gonna talk about that when we get towards chapter four and five, because it's, it's a very serious thing. We've been elected and chosen to represent the Father of the Son. So it does have to do with how we live, what we think we do and we say. But it also has to do, and I believe that Paul sets us up for this in the first verse of Ephesians. It has to do with the giver of gifts. That the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. He decides what gifts we get and what measure. So relax. This ain't Wall Street. We're not earning the gifts. They're gifts. (laughs) Charisma's. And he decides which gift gifts we get to spend on the body, to represent him in the earth, because we are all uniquely and wonderfully made with unique gifts. Paul started out the, the letter of Ephesians, "My name's Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus. Who knew? <laughs> what? I'm a, I was chosen to be an apostle of Jesus the Christ, the one I was killing people for. He was a scholar, one who started searching the scriptures as a very young, young boy. He had dual citizenship, so he could travel around Rome freely. Paul came to understand and know none of that was by accident. It all was part of God's plan for him. And he wants us to understand that the Father of lights chose us, gifted us, and equipped us to advance the kingdom of God, to proclaim that Jesus is alive, resurrected, ascended, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I have eternal life because of it. And Paul, in particular, was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I, I'm not going to head that, babe Ryan will talk about that next week. It's very important that we understand that, though. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about why that's so important. It was unthinkable in the first century. Jews did not eat with the Gentiles, let alone say, you're going part of the plan here. That was part of the progressive revelation that came after the resurrection. That it was always for every tongue, tribe, and nation. So spending the gifts God gave Paul cost him everything. Remember what he said in Philippians, one of the other prison letters? For the sake of Christ, I have lost everything. But I count all that I lost as garbage because I am now in Christ and Christ is now in me. For the sake of Christ, I lost everything. Hallelujah. And I am so incredibly grateful, truly, that Paul chose to spend the gifts that God gave him for all that he had, all who he was. Family, we are God's kiddos, chosen and beloved. We are his handiwork, his masterpiece, which actually in the Greek language means his artwork, I'm his artwork, you're his artwork. I think Danielle's my artwork. I think she's so cute, blessed, I love everything about her. She's God's artwork. We are gifted in advance to build up the body of Christ and to show the world how incredibly loved we are. How incredibly loved we are. We have a part to play. That's what Paul is saying. If you you know me at all, you know, my kids always say, especially my son, you're making my ears bleed, Mom. You keep saying the same thing. We're plan A, there isn't a plan B. Well, I'm going to say it again. Family we are plan A, and there ain't no plan B. That's what the body of Christ is. Gordon Fee wrote, it is clear that God takes the church, every tongue, tribe, and nation that puts their faith in Christ, far more seriously than some, people, some of his own people do. We've been chosen before the foundation of the earth to be a signpost to the world that God is love. And how will the world know that God is love? John 17, Jesus' last recorded prayer. Father, make them one as we are one so that the world will know that we are love. Folks, whatever we're doing, whatever is distracting us, whatever we are saying that is causing harm toward one another, we got to stop through the blood of the Lamb. Because unity in the body of Christ has power, and we will talk about that because God says a lot about it in the book of Ephesians, the power of unity when we come together, one God, one spirit, one goal, one purpose. And who God calls, he equips, because he is the giver of gifts. The worship team, for Pete's sakes, they are gifted by God. They know what, they right? So they're up there spending the God-given gifts to build up the body. There's musicians, there's writers, there's teachers, there's uh, project managers, there's mathematicians, there's apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and we're all called to spend our gifts together so that we can build one another up and be an example to a lost and dying world that needs Jesus. Because what's in us is Christ in us. There's nothing in me attractive. Jesus in me is attractive. People want Jesus, even if they don't know it yet. When they see Jesus, they're like, What's going on with me and that Julie and Kurt England? I love hanging out with them, they are so much fun. They love what's going on with them. Oh, it's God in me. That's the answer, right? (laughs) All right, I'm going to close with this I feel led. to zero in on the effects of trauma and how it in particular relates to this series. One reason that we continue to keep God the Father at bay is that we assign attributes of those who have harmed us toward the Father. We project what happened to us at the hands of broken people, just like us, to our heavenly Father. Would you stand, please? We're going to end with this. And, and prayer teams don't come up yet. I'm going to call you up. This is something a little different. We're going to do before we call the prayer teams up. I just when I call the prayer teams up in just a minute I'm going to read some things that I feel like the Lord said specifically that are fears in each one of us there are fears in us that God the Holy Spirit wants to deliver us of because fear will cause us to make poor decisions that will lead to more poor decisions, right? And God wants to deliver us of fear. So before we do that, I'm going to ask that everybody just close your eyes and put your hands on your heart. If you're at home, listening, watching, or later this week, just... Holy Spirit, we gather today as one body in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to impart the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We want more, more revelation of the Father. We want to see the Father as trustworthy, the kindest person we'll ever meet, all loving, all powerful. Father, help me to surrender and let go of control. Help me let go of control. Help me to trust you, Father. Father me and love me into wholeness. And help me to love others into wholeness. What you have done to me, now do through me. In Jesus' name.